Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Harmonica Sunbeam is an entertainer, mother, role model, and drag queen. She made her thrilling debut at a New York City drag ball nearly three decades ago when she walked in a category called Butch Queen, first time up in drag at a ball, and won. Now she's a member of the Drag Queen Story Hour, representing North Jersey and New York. Drag Queen Story Hour is just what it sounds like. Drag queens reading stories to children in libraries, schools, and bookstores. Drag Queen Story Hour began in San Francisco with a woman by the name of Michelle T. in 2015 and has since exploded across the nation and overseas. There was such a demand for more readers that there was an open call. Harmony responded to the open edition and, and took training. Her first Drag Queen Story Hour was in the library in New York City with 75 children in attendance and was covered by the New York Times. Drag Queen Story Hour captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. In 2018, Harmonica was interviewed as part of HBO's programming celebrating the LGBTQ community called the studio. Harmonica talks about a career as a drag queen and how the story hour is trying to raise a new generation of children who, along with their families and communities, are accepting of each other, open to being who they are and understanding that we're all not the same. And that's okay. Harmonica, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, it's a day off, and um, so hot went outside, but, you know, mm-hmm. I said I would stay in and clean up. You know, with, throughout this whole pandemic, I thought that, you know, as a, as a drag performer, you know, um, we don't really work from home. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so... Uh, with this whole twist and turn of events, I once I started working from home, I thought it would be easier to keep the house together. But no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not at all. It's just you know, I feel it, just you know as if I was going out every day to work. You know, mm-hmm. you know I'm so laughing because I, I know exactly what you what you mean. I'm doing laundry and stuff today. You know. Uh, <laughs> 
but I think that, you know what, housework and stuff just wasn't meant for some of us. That's all there is to it. You know, we have, we have bigger mm-hmm. things to do. I mean, you know, I first became really, really, really aware of you and seeing you in action when the Bayard Rustin Center for Social Justice, we did the virtual pride, and you were one of the, the co-hosts. The co-hostess was the most, I'll say. And <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I thought that you brought, you brought joy. You know what I mean? It was a fun event, but I kept waiting for them to come back because I didn't know what you were going to do next. I mean, I thought that they just... <laughs> It, it was just awesome. Uh, did you have had you guys rehearsed something, or did you were you just like throwing it on them and letting them just sort of deal with it? Yeah, that's it. No rehearsal. You know, um, earlier in the day we went through like you know uh, just uh, setting up to make sure you know like kind of like a rehearsal to make sure everybody was able to log on and this is how it will go. This is what it looks like when, when, you know, when, we, when they log off and how they bring us back and stuff like that. So uh, that was about the extent of our, um, our uh, rehearsals, so to speak. And then the rest was just let it flow and, and go, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your own sense of style. I mean, and after that, you know, I, I started like, okay, get on the Facebook page and start watching it. And I'm always amazed. Yesterday you had a thing on, you had these long, beautiful purple dangly earrings, which I will send you an envelope with my address so you can just send them to me. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought they were just like, one of the things that you talk about is when you're talking about some of your events, you talk about that you're bringing fashion. Were you always into fashion? And, you know, are you that cre- I mean, do you create everything? Is it like from your mind, or does someone say, is someone making clothes for you, or are you just like, you know what, this is what I'm feeling? Well, it's a little bit of everything because um, I guess I have, uh, but uh, now, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I was into fashion shows and stuff when I was, you know, before I started doing drag. And so now mm-hmm. I believe all my fashion sense has kind of moved to to a more feminine side, and even though I don't sew, I took some lessons because it helps a lot as a drag queen if you know, if you can sew a lot of your own stuff because it kind of cuts mm-hmm. out some expenses and stuff, but I, I do, uh, but it just, it, was, it just never interests me much, but I do mm-hmm. take a big, a big part in helping to design what I would like to wear. There are some mm-hmm. people who sew for me that um, have sewn for me for quite some time, and I, can, I will say, hey, here's this fabric I have. Can you make something for me and let them surprise me because they know me and I know them. Um, and then there are other people that I have to give them strict instructions on what I want uh, without mm-hmm. any deviations because, of, um, because they, may, they, may, they may be a great uh, seamstress, so to speak, but... Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't think in the mind of a show or a drag queen, you know. Mm-hmm. So we always look for more or something, uh, something catchy, you know. You don't necessarily want to look like someone in the audience, and that's why we we get stuff made. So like if I went to Ashley Stewart and brought a dress, and three customers in the audience did the same thing, you know what I'm saying? Like like uh, mm-hmm. okay. So, 
that's a big reason why a lot of us don't buy store-bought things unless we change them up and embellish them to some degree uh, because, you know, you want to stand out from the crowd. Um, and um, also a lot of times it's because of our our body frames, like I may be able to buy a jacket from Macy's, a woman's jacket from Macy's, but because of my arms, it will probably be really short or fit funny. Mm-hmm. So that's when you mm-hmm. know that you really kind of need, depending on your body frame, to get more stuff personally made, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love your style. You go from whimsical to just like drop-dead gorgeous, you know, and, and every place in between. I love your style. Um you're clearly an entertainer. I mean, were you that kid who, you know, when at every holiday, at every family, uh, family gathering, you had prepared your show for people that you were trying it out on them? Or were you, you know, because I've talked to entertainers and people everywhere, even from ministers on, either they were the one who was always entertaining or they were very introverted, and this was a way to find themselves. Which were you? Well, it's funny because I was, like, you know, I, I, didn't, I do tend to be a little introverted. Like, a lot of times people see me on stage and then they meet me in person and say, wow, you're so shy. And I'm saying, well, if I was like that all the time, you wouldn't pay to come see me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, that's, so from, from that standpoint, but I do remember being uh, more like a, a, a sarcastic know-it-all as a, as a younger <laughs> child. And mm-hmm. um, and so I was always able to uh, think think quickly on my feet, and um, and it really has come to uh, come to be uh, an advantage, especially as a host, um, and mm-hmm. and especially doing drag because you know a lot of times when I'm at a show and people that come up to me after the show, they for some they feel that they think that the show is rehearsed because everything just clicks so perfectly, not realizing mm-hmm. that, nope, it's just me being quick on my feet, you know. So it's just like, wow, how are, you, how are you able to come up with those responses to what random people would say without it necessarily being rehearsed? But it's just that if you have that gift of being able to respond ever so quickly, then, you know, you never kind of, like, lose it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's a very helpful uh, trait to have because anything can happen at a show. The power can go out. Um, you know, performance not show up. And if you can't quickly on your feet, you know, and or you're so rehearsed that you don't know what to do, then it will quickly show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at- but you also have a serious side. You know, I was looking at when you were doing your opening remarks for the National Coalition Against Censorship, and you talked about how far we've come and how far we've got, we have to go. And you've been performing for a while. I mean, you've been in various, you know, um, arenas. You, you've done film. You perform. You're, and you are. You know, you say that you're a role model. You are a role model. Do you find that, is it any easier, you know, people would say, you know, we've got all these gay characters on shows, and, you know, we have, what was that, Modern Family, they had two gay men, you know, you see these gay characters, you've got um, Pose, um, you've got RuPaul's Drag Race, all of these are, you know, like, sort of like 
easing into that field. But is it easier? I think it's easier for newer people, you know, like newer people just coming out, and, and, and I think it's a wonderful thing to finally see people that represent you or somewhat look like you on TV and film because, you know, when I was coming out, it weren't, you know, I remember the guy from MASH, what was his name, Klinger or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and I remember Flip Wilson, you know, as Geraldine. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as, like, gay men or, like, drag characters, that there, there was nothing of that nature, you know. And so a lot of us grew up uh, not realizing that there were other people who felt like us or who, mm-hmm. or who did some of the things that we did. We felt, you know, very alone and very isolated. So I think it's a great thing for I think it's a great thing for future generations to be able to see lots of different people living and being their true authentic, authentic selves and expressing themselves of how they, however they want to present. You know, so that's a, a good thing. Uh, um, I also think that, um, like with drag race being so popular, it has helped people who do drag who are not necessarily on the show because drag race is so big, so, so much a part of mainstream culture now, 10 or 15 years ago, I couldn't go to a restaurant and say, hey, would you be interested in having a drag brunch or having a drag bingo, unless it was an LGBTQ uh, mm-hmm. type of environment, establishment. But now I can go to, you know, to the local bar down the street from me and say, hey, what, night do, what, nights, are, what, what nights are dead here? Oh, Tuesdays. Okay. What have you thought of doing in the past? Would you be interested in having drag bingo for three hours? I'm sure to bring in some new clientele and bring in, uh, you know, bring in some money for you and as well as, you know, bring in some money for me. And people are more receptive to those ideas now because they know about drag and they see the, the potential that it has you know, or at least they're willing to explore the potential that it has if I have to do some co- uh, coaxing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find so, yeah. that um, when you go to these places, are they looking for you to do like a cookie cutter of, of drag race or are you able to go in and sort of say, be authentic, do what you do in your own way? You know, do you get any pushback like, oh, well, we were hoping you do this. But you know, you say no. This is this is this is the harmonica show. Right. Well, for the most part, people come to me because they because they hear about me and they know about what I do. I like to have more creative control over uh, over what I do, uh, just because because I'm very I'm spontaneous even in that. If you say, okay, this is this is how the show goes. You come out, you talk, then you do a number, then you talk, and then you do this, and then, well, let me decide how the show goes, because I'm the one actually doing it, you know? Um, and, it, like, you know, there are some places that have wanted to hire me, and they have a set format, and it's just like, well, you have a set format because the people that you've hired in the past don't have the range to change things up. So now you kind of like micromanage everything that happens because you really haven't had a real hostess. No offense. Mm-hmm. You know? 
saying, and you find a lot of places, you know, like, because there, there are some people, and just because you're not afraid to talk on the microphone doesn't mean that you're a good host or hostess, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be, because there are a lot of people who, who don't like talking in public. So you have that group of people, and then you have the people who don't mind, but they're not a good host or hostess, and then you have people who are good hostesses. You know, if you look at the award shows, okay, those people, if they best, this is why they gravitate towards comedians because they tend to think quicker on their feet. And mm-hmm. they can make something out of nothing as opposed to having someone who, who's willing to do it and makes it a very serious situation and doesn't allow any leeway or any room for it to be fun and lighthearted. You know, you, you know, and there are lots of emotions coming out of a, a an award show, so you want to be able to capitalize on the highs and the lows in the room, you know, and, and, and make people feel good about it. How do you feel, how important do you feel it is for you to use your platform? I mean, people know who Harmonica Sunbeam is. How important is it to you for you to use your platform to open some of those doors and to, I mean, like, because like I said, it's the NCAC thing. Yeah, you can be really funny, but you you hit it. I mean, when you hit about about the you know, opening remarks and about, you know, what was still going on, I mean, you were like as serious as a heart attack. I mean, you hit a boom right there. How important, you know, do you feel that when you have these opportunities, is it for you to, you know, step away from the comedy for a minute and say, yeah, but this is still going on. It's very important, you know, and I think everything, every show, because I think every every opportunity you have to get a message across, especially an important message, because people listen to people for different reasons. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same reason why, despite our president not wanting to wear a mask, that people were saying you need to wear this mask because, unfortunately, there are people who, who believe in you and look up to you, and they're not wearing masks because they don't see our leaders wearing masks, you know? And so mm-hmm. from what I was told yesterday, he, um, he wore a mask at a hospital event. And so hopefully that will encourage others to do the same, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So we all... We all have something valuable uh, to share, whether it's whether we have an audience of three or three thousand or three million, you know, um, because we should all be vocal about what we believe in, and and you know, and even if you feel that there's no one listening, there always is someone listening, you know, and making a difference. So many times, I hear from people that I, you know, that that I didn't know, like you know, I touched them in in some sort of a way. You know, even now, like with social media, with us all being in the house and me being online a lot more, especially with my fan page, people always pop up and say, oh, I remember you from 20 years ago. And, you know, I was a shy little boy and I was in the closet and I would Mm. come sneak out of the house and come see your show. And you always had a kind word to say and you always made people feel good and it really made a difference, you know. And, you know, we just have to continue being who we are. And we just never know. Like, you know, I don't think you always have to set out on a mission to change the world because we change the world uh, without even knowing it sometimes or make a difference yeah. in the world without even knowing it sometimes. You know, it's just like me. I was just going to, to doing an assignment for the, for the pride thing, and you saw me there. 
And I obviously mm-hmm. made some kind of impact on you, else you wouldn't have hit me up. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that how they said the same thing. And you always had something kind because you know what? Sometimes it's that that act, that kindness that impacts someone bigger than a whole bunch of words. And the fact that, I mean, that must have really felt, I know, like, for me, like, sometimes I'll see somebody and I don't even remember, and they say, but you said something kind of, you did something. I bet that really, you know, is that one of those, like, little things that you just sort of smile and sort of stand up a little taller? Well, you know, you know, you know it's funny because, like, even at my show, in-person shows, you know, I go around and I talk to people to see how they're doing and just to you know, see, did you enjoy the show, you know, and that's a big difference because there may be people, a lot of times people come out, to enjoy themselves or take their, take their mind off of different things that may be going on in their life. You know what I mean? Things may not be so good uh-huh. at home. You may have a bunch of bills. You may have just gotten into a big fight with your parents or your partner or whatever, and you just wanted to get out and have a drink, and now you came to the show, and now you're having a really good time. And even though your problems are still there, this gave you some time out. And for me to come up and check on somebody to see how they're doing and make it genuine, it really makes a big, you know, like a, a, a lot of times it makes a big difference because it lets people know that you're not just another customer in the crowd, you know. This mm-hmm. person can make sure that, you know, that you were having a good time and that you were, you know, without an ulterior motive to it. You know what I'm saying? You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. always try to make that a, a big part of wherever I go, because I, I know the impact it, that it can have. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Harmonica, we're going to take our first break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Drag Queen Story Hour, and we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I'm talking with Harmonica Sunbeam. Harmonica, okay. Yeah. Entertainment <laughs> is one thing, but you're going into, kids are a tough act. You know, kids can be a tough act. What made you, I mean, how did you get involved with your Drag Queen Story Hour? I mean, kids can be tough. Kids can be tough. How, how did you first get involved with it, and I know that your first, and, and can you tell me about that first time? What were, did you have any trepidation? Because it wasn't like going out about with, with, on a stage or doing a regular show. These are kids, and kids sometimes have absolutely no filters. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Drag Queen Story Hour was started in 2015, I believe, with uh, uh-huh. a woman by the name of Michelle T., from San Francisco. 
someone heard about the program in New York City and, and convinced the Brooklyn Public Library to do the reading. The reading was, uh, was overwhelmingly positive, and, and the, the video from the reading went viral. And so then the woman got a, uh, a large uh, demand for to have more, uh, more readings, but she only knew two drag queens. So they put out an open call on Facebook looking for more drag queens. And I said, wow, this seems – and I saw the video, and I said, wow, that looks like fun. I said, I enjoy kids. I always enjoy reading. And so let me go. I went to the open call. I went through the training and everything else, the background checks. And so then the time came for me to have my first reading, and it was at a library uh, in the city uh, off 7th Avenue in the village. And um, – and they said, well, we have 75 pre-K and kindergarten kids here, and the New York Times is here to interview as, you as well. Mm-hmm. So no pressure, you know. And uh, I, yeah, I was, I was already nervous with the, ki- all the kids, with, and with being so many kids. And, uh, and so uh, and then with the newspaper being there too, it made me even more nervous. And um, I just went out there and did what I normally did, do, and that, you know, my goal is to go out to educate and to entertain, and the kids loved it. And of course, you know, the, the thing about Drag Queen Story Hour is, if you, if the kid, if this is going to be some kid's first experience with a drag queen, you want to give them something to remember, you know. And if I can't get them with the stories, at least I'll get them with with the 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 the, the bling or the colors. Just, you know, and because so many, you know, some kids are visual, some kids are audio, you know, so everyone learns and responds to people in different ways. And, um, and I was, I'm able to capture their, their attention and their imagination, you know, and kids always want to feel like they are a part of it or they have something to offer. And that's a good thing uh, because, you know, I can ask one question, so what's your favorite color? And everyone wants to tell me their favorite color. Now, I will tell you this, the difference between the kids, because, you know, you said that kids, you know, they don't hold back and, you know, but they are generally excited to be there. And the difference between the kids and the adults these days is that a lot of times, especially in the LGBTQIA audience, you don't always get, we as entertainers don't always get the full respect or fanfare that we deserve, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, most audiences say that for maybe like a RuPaul's Drag Race event, kind of where they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's so-and-so. And why do you think when you go to a talk show, they have that hype person there that says, okay, when Wendy comes out, I need you to do this, when, you know, because we as audience, you know, of course, in a, a standard drag show, we can't afford to have somebody come out like that, and we just hope that you give us those, the, that energy that we need. We, we, as performers, we feed off of the energy the crowd gives us. You know, and it wouldn't look great on TV if Wendy came out or uh, Conan O'Brien or anybody else came out and the audience just sat there like, okay, hurry up, entertain us. You know, it's that whole energy exchange. The more energy you give us, the more we're going to give. And audience, those audiences with, the, with, with kids, 
they're excited because they know a show is about to happen and they are genuinely excited and they want to see it. Sometimes in a, in a gay bar, the people know that it's an 1130 show. Oh, okay, here's the 1130 show. You know, you come out mm-hmm. and some people, some people are on their phone. Some people start to go to the bar. They decide to go out for a moment, decide to go to the bathroom. And they don't realize the impact it has on us as, as entertainers. You know, you mm-hmm. kind of want to feel like, well, hopefully some people, you know, actually came to see me, you know. But in the, in, I noticed that when I do uh, a straight venue or the crowd is mostly straight, we get that feedback and that, like, okay, that anticipation for a show. But with a lot of LGBTQIA audiences, they tend to be a little jaded because they're so used to the type of entertainment that they can, you know, like, eh, eh. They don't really uh-huh. show show the show the uh, their uh, their endearment for it. Now but you know you every March. Uh-huh. Well, every it's, March, you know, March is National Reading Month, and every uh-huh. March I go into school and I read to kids, and you know, and there is like that point where you know, like you'll you'll be reading and you'll see a hand up, and it's like, but why, you know, and you sort of like. You try to do it. In fact, I was reading one thing, and I was trying to make the, the sound of a dog crying. And this kid, that's not how, dog, how dogs cry. And like <laughs> at a certain point, like I put one group aside and said, okay, well, you're my dog pound. When I need dogs crying, I'll point to you and you do it. You know, how do you inter- – do the kids interact with you a lot or ask you oh, questions yeah. or, or stop you in the mid-story? Mid Yes, they do, and we encourage it, too, because I'll say, you know, oh, wow, look at this kid has three dogs. Is there anyone else here who has a dog? And there will be always be some kid in the audience, I don't have a dog, okay? In my head, I'm saying, okay, then the question wasn't for you, but okay, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, of course, I, 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 as a comedian and as, an, uh, as a person who has had years of experience working for adults, you know, my mind always goes to, an adult answer, and then I have to switch over to a, a child's answer, you know, so I can stay employed <laughs> mm-hmm. without hurting people's mm-hmm. feelings and stuff. But it's always funny, like, you know, um, once I was reading, reading, and this girl, girl came up, and, you know, she was about five years old, and she just walked up, and she stood in front of me, and she said, I think your ring is too big. And um, it, had nothing, it had nothing to do with the story or anything. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to get her point across. And in my head, I said to her, in my head, I said to her, girl, do you know the things I had to do to get a ring this big? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, well, I said, I have very big hands, and the big ring makes my hands look a little smaller. And she says, mm-hmm. oh, Okay. And she sat back down, you know. So she mm-hmm. got the answer. She got an answer from me, and we were still able to remain friends, you know. Um, even once I uh, I was at a, a reading, and um, and I had on a very sparkly dress, and um, in the middle of the reading, a little boy came up, and he handed me one of the sparkles that fell off. And I thought, wow, that was really a nice gesture. But at the same time, it could have been like, oh, boy, she's falling apart. Let me help this poor lady, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So after that, all the other kids started to look around, and they all started to come up and hand me any of these sparkles that fell off of my (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) chair. 
So it was very, it was a very nice gesture uh, on on all of their behalf. But at the same time, it can be taken in, in two different ways. Oh my gosh, she's falling apart. Help her out, or you know, like you know, uh, like this is a nice thing for us to do to her for her. You know, so um, so I, I and I really don't mind. Like I said, because I'm so spontaneous, I I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind interruptions or asking questions, you know. Like there's a book that says it's, uh, it's okay to be different. And one of the pages is, says it's okay to have no hair. And I say, do you know someone with no hair? I say, if they're here, don't point to them. And somebody is always going to say, my dad has no hair. My <laughs> grandpa has no hair. You know? And, mm-hmm. and they, of course, they don't think it's anything wrong with it because they're, they're genuinely, asking, genuinely asking, answering a question that I ask. You know, mm-hmm. and so, um, so it's always great to hear, you know, hear them respond and and and, and um, say what's on their mind. But do you do you find that you know because being in schools, I mean, first of all, when you said seventy five kids, I mean, I had a class of thirty. When you said seventy five, I had a flashback and gulp, you know, because <laughs> you know it's like all these little faces. But do you find like I found like the teachers are sort of like trying to run herd and let them, make them, quote, unquote, behave, where some of those spontaneous things like the asking about the ring, the picking up, that is so natural for a child to do and and that you allow them to do that. Do you find that you have to, you know, like keep the adults back in their place to, like, give the kids a chance to interact with you? Well, there is a difference between kids – a, a school, a, uh, a group of school kids coming to an event as opposed to uh-huh. kids just coming to story hour at the library, uh-huh. you know. So, uh-huh. uh, and so uh, they are expected to give their undivided attention to the special guest and to uh-huh. raise they they have a question or to ask permission before you touch the special guest because a lot of times, like, people just like, – but there have been times where the kids started so far away from me, you know, and they just then one kid moves up and then another kid moves up. And what they really wanted to do was probably touch, you know, like, uh, a fringe of mine or something that was dangling or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and keep moving up, moving up, or like, you know, waiting for someone else to say something. It's almost like, you know, that movie The Birds where there was just one bird and then there were a few <laughs> more birds and they just kept getting closer and closer so they were able to, like, do what they really wanted to do. And it was probably to touch you or to, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, get up. So it's, it's funny. Like, one, I was telling the story and this kid wrapped his, his arms around my leg and just kept rubbing my stockings. And mm-hmm. and his mother was so embarrassed. And she said, oh, my God, I, I've never seen him do this before. I don't know. And I guess, mm-hmm. you know, kids like, you know, like they like to feel different things, the different textures and stuff like that. And I guess my shiny Rockette stockings really <laughs> drew, drew to him, mm-hmm. like, wow, I can't believe her legs are this shiny, you know. Let me rub these legs, mm-hmm. you know. And it was mm-hmm. totally you know, like an out-of-order kind of situation, but it was coming from a very uh, positive place, and the kid didn't realize that it was something that, okay, you have to ask permission before you rub strangers' legs, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, we tried, um, at one of our libraries here, we were going to do um, a drag queen story hour, and of course, you know, there's one group who was very excited about it and welcoming it, and of course, then you had a group 
who wanted to protest it and say that, you know, everything imaginable, why they shouldn't have it. Eventually, uh, those who wanted it prevailed and they had it. What have you experienced coming from parents on both sides? Well, of course, I have had events that were booked and advertised, and then they were canceled because of uh, feedback from, you know, different people or pushback from people, you know. And, you know, one particular library said to me, they said, we don't, we don't want to take sides. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you actually did take a side because you canceled event, an event that you booked. So you took the mm-hmm. side of the people who didn't want to have the event. You know, this is, this is, here's the thing, right? Because I've had protesters show up at different events, and um, usually they show up after I'm there and, you know, and they just stand outside, and not one time that protesters have showed up would have they been able to convince people to say, yeah, this is bad, this is not good for the children, let's go home. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And their whole thing is, the protesters or the anti-drag queen story hour people is that you, um, that we are, that they care about the children, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this, this, here's the thing, right? Every kid that comes there is accompanied by an adult who wants them to be there. So. If you really care, so it looks like that these kids are being well taken care of and, and, and loved by some sort of individual, whether it's a parent or a caretaker or whatever. If you really care about kids and their well-being, there are kids who can't read. There are kids who can't write. There are kids who are hungry, you know. So go mm-hmm. out there and do real work. You know, this is a Saturday afternoon at 11 a.m., and you're standing in front of a library with a sign saying uh, Drag Queen Story Hour is bad. Can't, you know, there's a brunch that you could be at, you know. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, there's some really, uh, some life-saving activities that you could be doing if you really care. I'm not standing in the middle of a, of a, uh, of a, uh, a dark alleyway saying, hey, kid, come here, I want to read you a story. Everything that's happening in Drag Queen Story Hour is open to the public, and it's right there and there, so it's not like anyone is doing anything uh, under the table to mislead or to take advantage of any of the participants that are there. But a I know. lot of these, a lot of these mm-hmm. people no matter what you say to them, they, their minds are made up and they are convinced that, uh, that you're doing something wrong. And people mm-hmm. say, well, the drag queens are adult entertainers. You, do you know why drag queens are adult entertainers? Because for many years, those were the only people that we were allowed to entertain. So who's mm-hmm. to say that we, that we can't switch gears and actually be great with kids too. You know, there are comedians who there are comedians who can perform for a regular crowd in a late night bar situation, and those same comedians can turn around and perform for a big Pentecostal group or a big church gathering. You know, so there are people who are versatile and 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 diverse enough in their act that they can, they can switch up gears. 
you know. There are some drag queens who, who would be part of drag queen story hour, and, but they have a problem with foul language. And if you can't flip that switch off to know who's in front of you, then you can't do this, you know. Well, yeah, because it is. I mean, you, are you, you know, you're not, you're reading books, okay, and, um, okay, and that could be another question that I'll ask afterwards, but you're a professional, okay, and like you said, you, you went through this training port, you know your audience. I mean, part of being a successful entertainer is to know your audience and give that audience what they need. And I know on uh, the virtual side, you read a children's story. And the way that you read it, it was sort of like you, you gave the emphasis where it needed to be and, and you sort of built the enthusiasm. You know, like, yeah, this is what you do. If you see something that's wrong, say something about it. There was just that way that you do it. When you come in, who has the, um, does the Drag Queen Story Hour, is that an association that picks the books that you're going to do? Does the libra- library pick the books? Who selects what you're going to read? Well, this is, this is how it generally works. The drag queens usually pick the books that they want to read unless it's a special event or a themed event where they say, oh, okay, this is about so-and-so. Can you bring books about this? Uh, sometimes when I work in a bookstore, I will, I will find books that I know uh, uh, that are actually in the bookstore because this will actually help the bookstores if I say, hey, this book, next book I'm, I'm reading, is you can get this right. If you enjoy this book, you can buy this book mm-hmm. right here at the bookstore once I'm finished. So just to help them out at the same time too. But as you see, we, uh, we, the drag queen, we have a list of books that continuously changes and we add to them and stuff of uh, uh, books that we found fit uh, fit our motto, and also um, that have gotten a really great response. And also, um, we've gotten um, a lot of publishers now send us books they would like for us to read because it fits within our theme and our, our, our mission statement. So this is it's a win-win for us because we kind of get these books firsthand, and we also help them to get the word out on their book, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you look you for in a book? Well, I, just, I, I look for books that I like to read as well. You know, people have sent me books, and I, I didn't find it uh, enjoyable, or I felt that the book was way too long for kids, or mm-hmm. it just, yeah, I just didn't find anything with it. So it has to be something that I get joy out of reading too, because if I don't get joy out of it, I won't be able to exude that same joy to, to the readers. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, so it has to be something that, that I enjoy reading, you know. Um, but then again, a lot of times, a lot of the readers tend to um, tend to read the same books over and over and over again because these are the books that they like. And we have to expand our, our horizons, read different books and see what other books are out there and, um, and all of that stuff, you know. So if we don't do that, uh, then we um, – then we um, – you know, then, then it, it shows through, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and if it's a new book that someone's asking me to read, we always make sure that all of the books that you're reading, that this is not the first time that you're reading it. Like, you know, you don't want to go somewhere and, and pick up a book you've never read before and then read it to the audience because, 
you may find that the book is not that interesting after all, or there may be some words or certain things in the book that are um, difficult to convey, you know. Uh, and so if you haven't practiced with it, uh, it's not a good idea to uh, make it a part of it until you've actually practiced with it. Have you considered writing a children's book? I am going to write a children's book. I am. Mm-hmm. I've, I've read so many children's books that I said, you know, I can do this, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I just have to find the take on it that I would like to present uh, and to give it a fresh, you know, my own my own take on it, you know. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you look for books that are, because uh, what is your age group generally, and do you look for books that are heavily, more heavily illustrated than word heaven? Um, no, it depends. Um, we, we, we push directly Doriel for ages three to eight, but, you know, of mm-hmm. course, sometimes we have older and sometimes we have younger. And if I can get an idea of what, what who is in the crowd, because um, I always bring more books than I, than I actually read. So if I can get, mm-hmm. get an idea of what's in the crowd, who's in the crowd, then I will, um, then I will uh, be able to change up the books just a little bit. But I, I don't mind a, a, pick, a, a, a lot of a books with a lot of words or a lot of pictures. Um, I can work with each one because, um, like I said, if you already know what you're doing beforehand, it's a lot easier to present itself, you know. Okay, so I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that, you know. And sometimes the kids bring up things, um, bring up things to you that you never even thought about, you know, uh, with, with, with somebody in the book. And they say, oh, I didn't, you know, why does she have on two different shoes? And it's something that, you know, I didn't even think about, but I read the book several times, and I said, wow, she does have on two different shoes. You know, I don't know why she has on two different shoes. Maybe it's her own personal style, or she forgot that she hasn't. She doesn't even know she has on two different shoes either. We'll never know, you know. Interesting. Well, well, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, to be able to to have that selection, what do you do with, with, you know, like you said, that now you've got publishers sending books what do you do with the books after you've read them and maybe you, you decide to take it out of circulation? Do you donate them? Do you just hang on to them? Do you have a little niece or nephew who has piles of books? Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, there are some books, uh, a lot of them I do keep, but there are some books that, that, that I may have taken out of circulation or I may actually have a copy or two of, uh, and there are uh uh, other people who, who might be doing Drag Queen Story Hour for their first time who don't have any books, you know what I'm saying, that mm-hmm. they were approached by an organization to Drag Queen Story Hour in their town, and they hit me up for advice and how to do it and, and go about it. And um, I'll say, oh, okay, if you need some books, let me know. And, I'll, you know, and maybe it might be a book that I haven't read in a while, and I'll actually give them the book or I'll loan them out books. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'll tell you. I have a children's book that in the works, but I'm going to go right to movies, and I see a role for you in that book. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. And when me, yeah, when I make my movie, you're going to be right there, you know. So I'm just putting you on notice, you know. Is that we'll work out the terms once I get the book done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's always good to be, you know, it's always good to know that someone 
someone has something in store for you once they make it, because that's, that's how we do things, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, listen, we're, we're all reaching for goals, and if I, can, if I can reach a goal and bring someone else in to pull them up, that's how we get, that's how we all make, you know, all, 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 all make it up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you know what, we were watching you, and I was talking to a friend online, I said, you know, when I make the movie, I've got to have her in there. I just thought of, like, the way that you bring it. I could see you bringing so much into it. But we'll talk another time about, about that role. It will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll be walking down that red carpet, getting our, our Oscars. It will be just awesome. And best animation made it film. So we're going to take our second break, and then I want to – we're going to talk a little bit more about the story hour. And so we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I'm talking with Harmonica Sunbeam. Now, you did the studio, part of HBO. I mean, you know, I mean, if we're doing your first one, having the New York Times there, doing a drag queen story hour and being part of the studio with HBO, what did that feel like? Well, it was really, it felt really, really good. Um, They... uh, they had uh, a certain way that they wanted things done and stuff like that, which was fine, you know. Um, and so I wind up uh, actually using um, using uh, the Jersey City uh, Public Library to film it at, just to give it a more authentic fare as opposed to being at home. Uh, uh-huh. And so it provided a great backdrop, and it, it just it came out really, really good um we were actually in charge of our own filming um and so um i wanted to make sure that everything worked out well so i had a friend of mine who does uh videography and um she made sure everything um was right and on a professional level with no you know hiccups or glitches or anything and um to give you know to present the best project possible and and we did it uh so how did, I mean, who reached out to who? I mean, did they just like, one day did you get like an email or something saying, oh, by the way, you know, we'd love to have you do this for HBO. Yeah, they reached out to the organization, and the organization mm-hmm. picked uh, two people. So, so in Drag Queen Story Hour, we have a national organization that helps with mm-hmm. chapters all across the USA and abroad. And then I am a part of two chapters, in a sense, because 
I started in the New York City chapter, and I'm still a member uh-huh. of the New York City chapter, and then I became the North Jersey coordinator since I live in, you know, North Jersey. And I said, well, I can probably bring this to some places in New Jersey. Um, uh, do you mind if I reach out to some people? And then that's how I became, you know, um, with that, how, that's how I got that title and was able to uh, start making, you know, some connections in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. How do they, how does some place go and start a chapter if they want to do it? How, what's, what's the step? Uh, well, you're, you're North Jersey, but I mean, is there more than one in, in Jersey, New Jersey? There really isn't. Um, like they've, they've, of course, I've done uh, story hours outside of North Jersey. Some people say like there may be like a women's group, and they say, hey, we want to have a drag queen story hour. How, how do we go about it? Do you? And I said, well, do you want me to do it, or do you, they may have somebody else that does drag and they would like to do it, you know? Uh, but and that could be like on a one-time basis. But if they want to start a chapter, they can reach out to the nationwide. Um, uh, organization and they can you know go by the guidelines there's some things that we suggest in order to make it go smoothly because you know you really don't want people it's using the name if they don't know what they're doing and if they don't have it together because then we get the you know then we get the backlash as well you know because they tend mm-hmm. to group it together and say okay you know so it's kind of like having a McDonald's, you know, like, so you want to have a McDonald's, okay, this is what you need to do in order to make this work. And uh, if you need any help with this, please let us know, and we'll be happy to assist you, you know, as opposed to you saying, just go ahead and doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, and especially, like you said, earlier, like we were talking about earlier, we've come a long way, but we still haven't, because if one thing is wrong at one, it's like, See, we told you all of those drag queen story hours. Ah. Just look what happened there. You know, so I can I can certainly relate to that. Are you doing any training of of people? Do they do you do that, or do they need to go through the national organization? Well, they would go through the the, through the chapter, like the the national would guide them. In New York, mm-hmm. if I had somebody that was wanted to come on New Jersey, I would bring them to one of our New York trainings because those are run by the library and it's you know like mm-hmm. officially sanctioned and everything else like that. You know, so just since, since I don't have a lot of the ones that happen in North Jersey, I can pretty much handle. I do have uh, two people that, you know, like when June comes, we get pretty busy and I can't do them all. I do have two people that um, that I work with just in case, you know, like to, to fill up some spots that I may not be able to do. So in these days of COVID, how has that impacted the story hours? How are you doing them? Have I mean, is it still as much neat um, call for them? How are you doing them? Well, we always, we move them online, and um, and they and so it's kind of helped out a lot because it's it's opened up a lot of doors of new connections and new clients, uh, and because so many once the pandemic happened, we were in lockdown. Uh, a lot of people were looking for different ways to keep the kids entertained and to keep them learning and stuff like that. So. Um, so probably places that they have not, may not have booked us 
in person, now we're saying, well, okay, well, let's look into this and let's see how we can do this and how we can make it work, you know. So um, we were able to secure a lot of work uh, uh, now that it's virtual, and especially once things open up, um, hopefully we'll be back, invited back in person. You know, I think it's a really important work because, you know, when I'm reading, I try to find books that bring in diverse characters and diverse situations because that's the world that our kids are growing up in. And I think it's so important that you have this, that people, that kids can come in and, first of all, hear stories. I like, I like the themes of the stories that you, you pick, but also here you are you know, living authentically, doing what you love, which is what most parents, to me, should hope that your kid will grow up to be able to live authentically and do what they love. And in a mm-hmm. way, you're giving back to the community. Do you, when you're right. talking about this, how do you, what is your take on it? How, how important do you feel what you're doing is to building a diverse and inclusive society? Well, I believe that uh, that parents and caretakers bring their kids to Story Out for, for many different reasons, right? And one of those reasons is to, to be able to teach kids to respect others who are different from them. So, you know, also to help to, to promote reading and literacy and, um, <clears throat> and also – to, um, to maybe that parent feels that their kid may be a little different, and so they want to introduce them to, you know, a queer role model, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is when we read stories about, like, a kid with two moms or a kid with two dads, there may be somebody in the audience who, uh, who has two moms or two dads, or there may be a kid in the audience who has never heard of a kid with two moms or two big dads. And when we normalize different situations through stories and, and discussion, it cuts down on bullying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Um, <clears throat> yeah. I think that one of my, my, my best moments when reading, I was reading a story where the kid had, one of the characters had two moms, and, of course, one little boy piped, raised up his hand, and, and he said, you know, well, you can't have two moms because you have to have sperm to have a baby. And this little girl raised her hand, and she said, oh, you can buy that. And, I mean, and no one knew that she had two moms. And so, you know, it was just like, it just like, and the boy was like, oh. And I, and I was like, I said, well, I don't know what we've opened up here, but, you know. It needed to be said, you know. So, so you know, like, uh, so, yeah, it really is. You know, we live in a, in a really diverse world. So, you're a performer, though. So, in this, in this, these days of COVID, how do you provide that other part of your entertainer's life? You are, I know that you do uh, drag queen bingo online. You're doing mm-hmm. that virtually, and. How else are you live, working your craft in these days of COVID? Well, I mean, um, to tell you the truth, the just hold on one second. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, the story hour 
and the bingo uh-huh. pretty much pretty much keep me very very busy. So um, yeah, so um, and and of course you know it's like you're working from home and like there's, there's been some days I've had two and three events in one day, you know. So you're working from home and um, you don't want to overdo it. You just want to make sure that you have enough stuff. So I try to, I, as opposed to having one event a day, I would rather have two or three events in a day, especially since I have to get time to get dressed up and, and get ready and stuff like that. I'd rather get in, dressed up and stay dressed up for the day as opposed to get dressed up for one event. But um, mm-hmm. I've also hosted, I've also, outside of Story Hour and Bingo, I've also hosted other events or done special events, especially during Pride Month, lots of Pride Month celebrations where I uh, was either booked as an entertainer it's, uh, or as a hostess, too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and I guess that way you can do it, like, you know, wherever. How does someone reach you if they want to find out more about everything that you do, find out about you, or if they're in, the, in your area or whatever, for a story hour? How, what's the best way to reach you? Um, usually you, you can find me uh, on, on Instagram under H Sunbeam or at, under, my, um, under my email address. <clears throat> under my email address under um, uh, harmonicasunbeam at gmail.com. And, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah, so that's usually the – or people find me on my Facebook page under Harmonica Sunbeam as well. Or they go through – if they send an email to Drag Queen Story Hour uh, and it's for New Jersey, then they usually uh, direct it towards me. Like if they send it to the national email address, then they, they, would, forward it, they would forward it to me. Okay. Well, Harmonica, I really appreciate you taking part of this this warm day off of yours to spend with me to talk about it. I think that, you know, like I said, I have a role for you in the movie. (laughs) uh, The book's almost done, and I'm going to, you know, I'll be ready for that, but I think that the work you do is really important. And, you know, it gives love to kids. uh, Reading and having, being able to read, starting out with having people read to me, I think is one of the most important things in my life as far as expanding who I thought I was and what I could be and where I could go. And you're doing that for kids and doing it being you. And I thank you for that on behalf of children everywhere and book readers. So, Harmonica, thank you again. I want you to have a great day, and please stay in touch. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and I truly will stay in touch. I want to thank my guest, Harmonica Sunbeam. Harmonica is a member of the Drag Queen Story Hour, representing North Jersey and New York. Drag Queen Story Hour captures the imagination and play of a gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on Google Play Music, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.